Alright, what ho, fellow knights, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Visionaries Knights of the Magical Light podcast. I am Sir Rob. I am Galadragen. Welcome to these crazy times. I'm David. We're still fighting the 80s. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. The 80s? It is, it is time to do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. No. And uh, much like uh, previous... I, can't, I think it was a Patreon episode. Uh, in Humanoids, this is also Hasbro plus current fad plus c- c- cocaine. <laughs> I mean, it it really yeah. and uh, I I bought the uh, the toys that time forgot volume two, uh, which was a book that was done through Kickstarter uh, that covers like unproduced toys from either lines that got canceled or lines that never quite got started. Uh, and it does talk a lot how with Inhumanoids, they were basically just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what would stick. And this was a case of them throwing, you know, just throwing things at the wall and seeing what would be a hit. And well, oh, none of them really were. Well, this holograms, which were becoming a thing... I don't think Visionaries was the first toy line that tried it, and none of them were really successful. I mean, there were, uh, like, Battle Beasts had the rub signs. Yeah, rub signs, that that was sort of before. As, like, an essential play element versus, you know, just being a fun little side thing, like on Transformers. But that was a heat transfer, not a lenticular hologram thingy, which... Various other toys. Oh, I forget what the first one was, but it it did not do well. Yeah, and it was. <laughs> I I made a joke to Rob earlier. Supernaturals. Did that have? Oh, yeah, Supernaturals. Yes, those are are the ones that had a bunch that were like sort of vague, like Grim Reaper robe shapes. Yeah, and then in the middle was a hologram. Yeah, a much bigger hologram than the Division Two. Um, Watch videos by Toy Galaxy. Dan has done a bunch of things on the on various toy lines that went and disappeared very quickly. Yes. Yeah, I think the they were the first ones then. Visionaries probably second. I mean, but none of the Visionaries did have a little bit of a uh I guess a a design shortcut in that the figures themselves were basically just GI Joe bodies. And are, are yep. they the same scale? Right down to the O-rings. Okay, uh, if you look then. at them on eBay, you see a bunch of them where the, the O-rings had, have rotted away, much as ah. they tend to do with G.I. Joes and Action Masters, but presumably those can be easily replaced like they can with G.I. Joes and Action Masters. Uh, but yeah, they were G.I. Joe scaled, they had the O-rings, uh, they were basically like almost, not fictionally a G.I. Joe spinoff, but definitely engineering-wise. Uh, certainly a lot more than the the people in Inhumanoids were. And I guess much like Inhumanoids, you can sort of trace the origins of this series back to the sort of cultural zeitgeist of the 80s, just as like horror was sort of becoming a big thing uh, for kids who were probably too young to watch it, thanks to VHS. Yes. Uh, so was fantasy like a big thing in the 80s 
Yeah. And, uh, uh, especially with the success of uh, Conan the Barbarian was probably the, like, big movie that all the other movies yeah, were trying to be. And, well, that, and that led to, you know, He-Man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, when did the Excalibur movie come out? Well, it's, I believe that's eighty-five, uh, right around there. You've oh, also got um, Dragon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, the Princess Bride, which this kind of feels of a certain tone with. It and, does have uh, that that lighter, gosh. somewhat lighter tone. And you've got a movie that I watched uh, recently, which kind of has some similarities with this, uh, Lady Hawk. Huh. Mm. Oh yeah, this was this came out eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah. Oh, and also right around then, uh, Disney made the Black Cauldron. Well, oh. they finished <laughs> finished making and released the Black that Cauldron. One, that one took like a decade. Yes, or something. they finished it, released it, and lost a zillion dollars on it. Oh. Uh, did I? I forget if I've mentioned on the podcast that I had not actually seen that. Uh, so when it was on Disney Plus, I decided to watch it. And my biggest takeaway was that I could really tell that the, especially the interior art designers for Skyrim had definitely watched that movie. Because <laughs> there was like, I, I posted a screenshot uh, in in one of our friend chats, and I think it was Trent, uh, Trent Troop, who said he had absolutely beaten up a bunch of bandits in that room. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it yeah. was... The writing was absolutely not there, but it's very visually interesting. It's definitely a movie to have on in the background when you're, like, working on other things, because the story is really not there, but the visuals are pretty good. And another thing this feels very much of a piece with is Dungeons & Dragons, which was huge in the 80s and amongst the target age group of this. Well, I mean, there's the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, which yes. Hasbro did not own it yet, but they would eventually. Yes, they would. And I they would feel get there that if they brought visionaries back. They might somehow connect it to D anD. Oh, I could see that. Could. Maybe they're like, definitely doing a lot of connecting things to D anD D and Magic: The Gathering. So we. This is uh, this is one of the you know this you know mid eighties cartoons. Uh, you know. Produced by the former Marvel Films, now Sunbow. Uh, but the differences with this one, uh, this was animated by TMS. Uh, what does that stand for? That is, uh, Tokyo Movie Shinsha. Shinsha. I was gonna say probably something in Japanese that take effort to pronounce. Uh, Noted for being a really good animation studio. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they have lots of credits. Let's go through some of them. Okay. Various Lupin the Third series. Hamtaro. Hamtaro. I love Hamtaro. It's so pure. Uh, aim for the Ace, Rose of Versailles. I don't know what that is, but okay. Space Cobra. They, they're really good shoujo-y things. Okay. Uh, Mighty Orbots. We know yes. that. Sherlock Hound. Uh, okay, I guess that's about a dog detective. Yeah, it's it Sherlock Holmes with a dunk. Okay. Uh, Magic Knight's Ray Earth. Aha! Devil Lady, which this is mostly for me, because I, I like that one. I was going to say, isn't that a Devil Man spinoff? Yes, it, it, exactly. Uh, case Closed, a.k.a. Detective Conan. They've been doing stuff for a long time. So I'm seeing on the list one of the Sonic the Hedgehogs, and I'm... Is this the yeah, good Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, or was this the... 
No, this was the cheesy the Sonic the Hedgehog. Cheesy, yes, but I guess the animation Remember, was okay. Remember, there were two at the same time. Did, no, this is not either of those. This is the one that came in the oh. 2000s. No, they, it also mentions... Or did they also do one of the old ones? Oh, I'm, I'm looking just, at uh, the wiki page. It does I mention they past. did do some work for some Western studios, and one of the things they bring up is Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. But I think that's the cheesy one. I don't think that's the one that all the furries had their great awakening to. Didn't they also do um, a few episodes of Batman the Animated Series? Yes. Probably. A lot of people did a few episodes. I'm pretty sure they did Heart of Ice. Mm. Yes, they did Batman the Animated Series uh, and Spider-Man. I think they did the the early episodes, the ones that had really nice animation, and they kept reusing the animation from, like that one with the lizard. Uh (laughs) Ah. Oh. So that every time he fought the lizard, the lizard ended up using his tail to smash a stone wall. No matter where they were. (laughs) So, yeah, they had a definitely, I mean, that was kind of the problem with the the, the Transformers cartoon ran into was that they were trying to shovel out as many episodes as possible. Uh, So in this case, I wonder if it's because they wanted to just see if they could do one without working with Marvel Productions or if it was because they were like throwing so many things at the wall that they had back, they like were using all of the resources there, so they had to find another studio. Yeah, I think this is like ha- like Hasbro's in full bloom here. We're doing Transformers, G.I. Joe, Gem. Yes. Uh, I think Inhumanoids is around this time. Possibly My Little that, Pony would have definitely been running at this point. You know, we're, we're stretching ourselves to the limit here, so, you know, we're, we're casting around mm-hmm. seeing who will do work for us. Yeah, so I don't know if it's because they were like, well, we want to try doing something without them versus, well, we, you know, they don't have any more room for any more of our projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the results are very pretty. Yes. And uh, so yeah, this was created by uh, Flint Dilly, long, you know, big Hasbro guy, wrote a zillion episodes of Transformers and G.I. Joe and what have you. And I'm pretty sure he wrote the original proposal for Transformers the movie. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think he did the, the cleanup. There was, I think it was Ron Freeman. Ron Freeman's the guy who's credited. And then I think, I think Flint Dilly and maybe somebody else like Douglas Booth or somebody has credits as like script consultants or something. Okay. Because I know their proposal was something called the secret of Cybertron. And then that was, uh, reconfigured into what became five faces of darkness. Ah, which I think was one of, I think that was all his. Yes. Uh, but how so this does have... So cannot hold him responsible for the terrible, terrible animation in no, Five no, Faces of Darkness. I, he just wrote it. He didn't draw it. <laughs> uh, but this also has another Transformers connection, as all the little spells, the spell poems in this, mm-hmm. all written by Bob Odiansky. Really? Oh. Yes. Oh. That's cool. That's, that's up there with the, uh, the Defenders of the Earth opening being written by... Uh, Stanley. That's yeah, cool. I remember. I remember Budiansky mentioning this at a convention, saying that he was really proud of those little poems. I think they're good. Uh, they're they, pretty we good. We only get one in the episode. Yeah, or two? We, we only get one. Of, uh, a bunch of them are listed on Wikipedia. So, mm-hmm. so this opens with uh, you know, kind of a we got a pretty neat theme tune. It's not quite Transformers, and it kind of lays out what the general premise is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got a heavy rock beat behind it. Dun, 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 dun. 
Also, as as a a brief side note, now that I'm looking at his page on TF Wiki, uh, apparently Flint Dilly once bailed Chris Latta out of jail. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> oh. And uh, when questioned, Latta said that it was for jaywalking. Jaywalking. <laughs> sure, it was. Mm. Actually, I think I'm the guy who added that to the wiki page. <laughs> I didn't make it up, though. It's on, like, the special features for one of the zillion releases of Transformers uh-huh. the Movie. Nice. And I think... I, I'm trying to remember who the... Uh, they've got a couple guys in commentary. It's Flint Dilly, it's Susan Blue, and I can't remember the third person. I should actually watch some of those at some point, considering, like, how... I would just keep getting distracted trying to recite the uh, the dialogue, though. <laughs> So, uh, Keep so- losing the conversation. It is a time when magic is more powerful than science, and only those who control the magic control destiny. They are the visionaries. So yes, it is a time when magic is more powerful than science. And uh, we open on the alien world of Prismos. It is, it is a super futuristic planet inhabited by people who look just like humans. It's a and- very... I mean, it doesn't seem that futuristic, uh, except that the newscaster who will show up in a moment is extremely jazzer-sized looking. He's <laughs> got a headband and it's, like the pop. Yeah, it's colors. definitely the future of the eighties. It's like yes. if the eighties continued for seven thousand years. Yes. Yeah, like there are some character designs, mostly the background characters, like that newscaster, very, very eighties anime. I think she may have escaped from a from a Patrick Nagel print. <laughs> Possibly, just not as high contrast, but yeah, it's in that ballpark. Yeah. Sadly, so, uh, she will not continue being a character. Well, I, I think she will. I would like her to. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the lady bad guy. Really? What? I think so. It's hard to tell when the opening is like how much longer the main story is after the planet, the, the stars align and electricity disappears. It could have been like... A year? It could have been a hundred years. There's no indication in the Okay, intro. so I am on the I'm on the visionaries.net and I guess they you know, they got the DVDs of these which were British only and the DVDs Much like also the came, Inhumanoids ones. And they also came with all the scripts for the episodes, and apparently the people in this opening sequence who uh look like the people we see later are the same people. So it's not either not that long or thanks to technology, these people live super long. I mean, they do mention at one point that they're rebuilding the city, like yes. in conversation. So that does kind of make it sound like it's five years later. Yeah. So, so that I, I would say something about like believing in magic and all. But as we've established through Star Wars, you could have a very well-known established religious sect. And then the moment they disappear, everyone decides that they were actually just superstition and no one believed it, even though they were, you know, around in those people's lifetimes. Yeah, it would have been nicer if, like, they'd had, like, a Chiron saying, like, five years later, mm. it's this bad already. It mm. does seem like it. it's probably within, like, 
easily within all of these people's lifetimes. Yeah, so. It's within living memory. Especially if, you know, the scripts confirm it as text. Yeah, so, so yeah. Yeah, it, it just hard to tell in, in in the intro that this that's the same character. Because her hair does get Jessica? way better. Yes. I mean, not that her hair is bad. A lot longer and more villainous. Yes. So, yeah, apparently it was the 80s for 7,000 years. But then the alignment of the three sons of Prismos caused all technology on uh, on the planet to shut down. And I like that there's a there's like a TV report by this TV reporter who's like, oh, all the technology shutting down. I thought, well, yeah. how are they still watching this on TV? And then mid sentence, uh, the TV shuts down. I know. I love that because it was like literally after I thought, wait, then how's the TV on? Oh, it's not. And there, okay, so there is a a like a a guy in a like flying a jet who has just got a Starscream voice, and I was like, that seems like a very obvious voice to just use as one of your like random side character voices but I guess that's intentional so yeah that's the same guy okay okay but it, it really nice. doesn't seem obvious enough like the, the newscaster her hair gets a lot longer and weirder <laughs> like like some better signifier or a few more seconds with these characters it's just voices doing things and oh Construction cranes stop working. Oh, a plane crash. I mean, this well, might have come up if this show had lasted more than 13 episodes. Oh, yeah. I suspect that if uh, a crane loses power, I don't think it immediately dumps its load. I suspect that much like on a uh, going up a roller coaster, there's like little things that catch it if it were to, to yeah. lose acceleration so that it just stops and doesn't just fall back down the hill. Uh, yeah, so I don't load. think it would actually dump its load, but that's okay. This is much more dramatic, having yes. the uh, the crane lose power and then just drop everything on people. Well, and also that construction worker is uh, Sindar. Yes. Evil <laughs> evil Peter Cullen. Yes. I always love some evil <laughs> Peter Cullen. Uh, so, yeah, it is X number of years later. Everything has immediately gone to shit. Yes. Although I mean, fair. and I get another thing that was popular in the eighties: post-apocalyptic fiction. Yes, it 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 goes to Fist of the North Star times. Like there's ruins of buildings, and the world is a wasteland with gray and brown skies. And also, everything has immediately gone medieval, as if the dominant culture is now people who go to Renaissance fairs. I mean, well, yeah, that is kinda... people are seeing ye in this. Yeah, after like we're getting like five years or something, everybody's gone medieval. That is the is, one thing that does make it seem like it it was further in the future was the fact that there's yeah. such a significant cultural shift. Uh, but you know, maybe that it maybe the people who rose up and took control of things were the nerds. Maybe this is a rule. This is a land where nerds now rule the earth. And now everyone is wearing this toyetic armor that's sort of high-tech, but not... It It looks like it's supposed to be designed, oh, we're repurposing shit that was electronic and was working. We've just turned them into suits of armor yes. now. Oh, and conveniently, everything has like a big flat plate on the chest. Yeah, conveniently, just in case you wanted to plug like I don't know a hologram on there. So yeah, we have uh, we've sort of divided into two evil factions. We have the good guys who uh, who rule uh, New Valeric. 
Uh, they, they're led by the brave Leoric. He just uh, seems to be like the mayor. <laughs> may, may, may was the mayor. Oh, apparently in the, because there was also a comic book, and apparently he was the mayor. Well, there you okay, go. Okay, that, that sort of makes sense, because he's just sort of generic politician who's in charge. Uh, he is voiced by uh, Neil Ross, uh, best known. He's definitely a couple of aerial bots. Extremely voiced by Neil Ross. <laughs> well... Uh, he's a bunch of geo- pretty much every character can be said. This is extremely that char- that voice actor. He's uh, he's Hook. He's uh, Springer. Springer. He's Slag. It's uh, very he's, much he's shipwreck on GI Joe. I don't know if I would say it's more his Springer voice or his smokescreen voice because those are both very similar. But I think that Springer has a slightly different kind of acting to it. But then mm. as characters, those are also like if. The Gambler had been done in season three, it absolutely would have starred Springer. Yes. Uh, so it, it's it's his Springer slash smokescreen voice. And uh, maybe he was a also, little bit of his Ultra Magnus. Uh, no, he wasn't Ultra Magnus. Um, was that he post movie Ultra Magnus? No, that was uh, Jack Angel, the the late oh, okay. Jack Angel. Ah. Hmm. Uh, and he was also Norman Osborn slash the Green Goblin on two different uh, '80s Spider-Man or in two different Spider-Man cartoons. He was Ooh. he was uh, the Green Goblin on Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, and he was also uh, he played the same role in the '90s Spider-Man uh-huh. cartoon. That's nice. And he's also a couple of guys on Inhumanoids. Yes, yes, he is. And, yeah, he uh, his, was in. He, I feel like in uh, Transformers, he actually got like a less and more background role than he usually gets. He's usually a main character. He's in yes. Centurions as like the main guy or one of the main guys. Is he Ace McCloud? Yes, or, Ace McCloud. They, they all had hilarious names. Uh, yes. And then his two main guys are Ektar. I guess some of the names are uh, voiced odd. by Michael McConaughey, who's uh, who was Trax, I believe. Yes, Trax I love and Michael Cosmos. McConaughey, and he's he, also done a ton of anime. He's yeah, he basically was, I guess, one of these people who made the transition to anime dubs very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a bunch of uh, he was in a bunch of World of Warcraft stuff, which was fun getting to hear. Uh, and yeah, he he made that transition. Is, is still pretty active. I think he did the like one line for animated tracks. Yes, I think so. Yes, like tracks, animated tracks got one line, and it was him. Mm-hmm. And his other lieutenant is Feral. F e r y l. Yes, you gotta and, have that uh, uh, copyrightable spelling. Uh, he was voiced by Bo Weaver, who's a also a zillion in a zillion things. He was in the he was Superman in the eighty Superman. Uh, he was Mister Fantastic in the eighty in the nineties uh, Fantastic Four cartoon. He's God in Duckman, <laughs> and uh, and he was Octane on Transformers. Oh, okay. Oh. And he he's he's the announcer on a lot of things. He's got a good announcer voice. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, they're constantly being besieged by uh, Darkstorm, uh, voiced by Chris Lotta. Not quite doing a Starscream voice. It's kind no. of it's eh. close to his Sparkplug Witwicky voice. Yeah, it's like an evil Sparkplug. 
Yeah, oh. the closest mm. I would say at first, because I actually watched the episode a few days earlier, like at work, uh, because I was like, hey, that's right. People also have now been allowed to upload visionaries. I should watch that. Yes. And at first I thought it was his wheeljack voice, but I, I think on second watch, it, it's closer to uh, to an evil spark plug. Yes. And, and I guess his main guys are Recon, who is kind of like a, like a sneaky thief guy. And he's voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown, a very distinguished, like, black actor. Uh, I kind of wonder, like, okay, so we'll, we'll get to them in a moment, but you have a couple female characters, I guess, as we mentioned, there's at least one. Uh, mm. Who did not get toys? No. Uh, and I feel like there. I'm sort of reminded of with Beast Wars how uh, Larry and Bob would like push for, like, okay, according to their story, and and we know that Larry would occasionally embellish things a bit. Uh, but for instance, like when they were presented with having black arachnia on the show they were like okay so it's a black widow so this is a female character right and hasbro was like oh uh yeah i I guess so uh so they would have to like push because the toy company is just worrying about what toys are going to sell so the toy company wants every single toy to be a white male character uh and the the people actually the writers on the shows uh and I know Buzz Dixon is on Facebook a lot and just posting like, I'm not gonna, he's not posting like, super like, anarcho-communist memes or anything, (laughs) but it's definitely much more leftist uh, political content than you get from following your average baby boomer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and, and Flint Dilly is not on there quite as much, but, you know, when he posts stuff, it's a, a similar leaning to it. So I wonder if, you know, how much, because I, I was sort of surprised that pretty much all of these characters appear to be white. Yes. Uh, and I wonder how much, like, they were kind of trying to push back against Hasbro's desire to make every single character a white male. Although like the, the, the Bob Odiancy story about Ratchet, you know? Trying to right. make him a female character, and Hasbro was like, uh, no, these are all boy robots. Any part of that is that it was until, I'd say, the last ten years, you did not see a lot of black actors in fantasy roles. Mm-hmm. Or non-white actors, period. Yeah. Yeah. But there was, Occasionally uh, you'd get one in a Robin Hood, but other than that... Yes. Pretty much not. Yeah. But, you know, in your high fantasy, you know, elves and hobbits type stuff, it's all white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is annoying. So that that may be why they, you know, actually got to cast a black man in this role, but the character still looked pretty white. Anyway, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, if you, you, if you uh, speaking of 90s Spider-Man, he was Kingpin on the 90s Spider-Man. Oh, that oh. was a good... That was a good really kingpin. Good uh, like, he's the he's the narrator of the movie Blade or not Blade, uh, Babe. Two de- very different movies. Oh. <laughs> okay, I, was, I was gonna say it's like, wait, I don't movies. remember Blade having a narrator. Sorry, Babe, and uh, he also has a very memorable part in Logan's Run where he's like a crazy robot. Ooh, <laughs> I need to watch that. Oh, that's. I mean, it, I can't say it's good, but it's definitely. Oh, this is what science fiction was before Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. 
fish, sea green, fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that's, so that's, that's Rasmus Brown and his other uh, aid is Mort Dread, which oh, is definitely... So oh, oh, it's a T. Oh. We're, we're making a reference to Arthurian myth here with Mordred. Yes. And he is a, like, pathetic, cowardly sycophant. He is. <laughs> and oh, oh, the pain, Jennifer! The pain! If, if there's any other character I would compare him to, I think it would be Toadie from Gummy Bears, which is a really oh, deep yes, dive yes, there. He's, he's ridiculously sycophantic suck up to the degree like it's like Starscream if he wasn't conniving he's like, and there's so little left behind what, what one approach to Shattered Glass Starscream could have been yeah uh, there's there's a point later in the episode and we'll get there but but uh Dark Storm says you are useless and he says I know master <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, uh that's just that's him in a nutshell he's just <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, voiced by Jonathan Harris, who you might remember, he uh, used to be on a show with a robot. Yes. <laughs> he's, uh, he yeah. used to be on a show with a robot. He's uh, Dr. Smith from uh, Lost in Space, and very much using the same kind of mannerisms. Exactly. And I had, oh. like, I had remembered hearing someone mention at some point that he was in this, but I had not realized it to the depth of my being <laughs> to the extent that I did when he actually starts talking. And it's so it, amazing. So, <laughs> so there. Good. Sadly, there is no robot for him to uh, insult on this show. No. No, he is the butt of all insults. He is the butt of all the jokes. <laughs> Oh, you cal- oh, you clattering collaboration of uh, of cogs. <laughs> God, yeah, he is just Toadie. It's, it's <laughs> shocking. He does not at any point call Darkstorm Dookie, though. <laughs> no. So yeah, they you know they, these uh, these bad guy knights are frequently repel- repulsed from uh, from New Valeric by the uh, by these guys. So they end up going back to their own castle where there is a, a, a enormous Mr. Burns style trap door that, uh, <laughs> oh, opens. Oh yes, because they're having like a, an episode of Shark Tank. Yes, yeah, there's, there's a guy who's brought in a catapult that is powered by guinea pigs. But catapults don't need electricity. No, they're basic. Catapults existed long before electricity. But well, he's, that's. Uh, they evolved from pulleys and levers. That's basically what Darkstorm thinks too, because this guy just gets dropped into the dungeon. Yes. Yeah. He's so again, yeah, this this is in the the whole catastrophe with them losing power. This is what happens when you have just a really bad blackout. Uh but uh yeah, it, it happened recently enough that he's selling this up as a catapult that doesn't need electricity because it has guinea pigs, but catapults don't need electricity. But yes, they are unamused. He does get dropped into the pit. So then... And, uh, so then slides he's in with- the next inventor with a crazy idea. It's freaking Merlin! Uh, sorry, sorry. It is Merklin. We can trademark that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
You can trademark a Merkin better than you can trademark Merlin? Okay. Well, actually, uh, apparently, this is, uh, he was named after Hasbro sculptor Bill Merklin, who, uh, really? developed the holograms for the toy. Aww. Okay. I mean, that, also... That seems like a made-up story. That's what Flint Dilly says. <laughs> I can't believe I that. could see it being, like, bullshit. <laughs> conveniently, they have somebody around who... So they're, they're like, what's a name that's like Merlin? Oh, I know. There's that guy who's our hologram developer. Uh, who <laughs> I, I mentioned to Rob at some point, uh, I forget where, that... Everything I know about holograms, I learned from a Marvel Age article on the making of the little holographic cards for the Fatal Attractions crossover, <laughs> which is true, and I can probably still find that Marvel Age issue in my boxes. So, you know, you guys remember the 80s better than I do. Holograms were like a big thing. They I'm, were I'm pretty big, right? but they felt like more for of... Like- Two years. They felt like more of a thing for, like, stickers for the Lisa yeah. Frank crowd. Yeah, you'd have unicorns like, and Well, things. we're getting into the Lisa Frank crowd in, in a little bit. Hold your horses. They <laughs> were def- I, I Thinking about it, I do sort of vaguely... Because I was thinking, like, weren't they mostly just girl stuff? But I think there were, like, space shuttle ones. Well, yeah, the stickers. And they, 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 they were around. You'd put them on your Trapper Keepers. They were most, but they you would occasionally like have, I think they had some novelty. trapper keepers that had like a big hologram on them. Ooh, probably. Yeah, those but, are, I'm guessing, ridiculously expensive. But yeah, they were a, a sticker thing, primarily. Like, I think, you know, your Scholastic Book Fair would have them available as, you know, like space shuttles. They would come in your kids' meal. There is nothing more 80s than a hologram sticker of a space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> That may be the most eighties possible concept. Yeah. It's so, up there. So yeah, he you know, he comes to uh to Dark Zone, he's all, Oh yes, I and he's also voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown, by the way. <laughs> and he's all, you know, I I'm a, I'm the master of magic and I invite all who who wish to share my magical power to come to my shrine on Iron Mountain. And uh there'll be like a like a contest and the winner gets magic. And they're like, magic's not real, dude. Go yes, away. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like bullshit, dude. And presses, uh, presses the you know trap door, and he's so that's it. For, that's it for him. But then he visits the good guys, and they're all oh, maybe. You- yeah. Well, because he when he visits the good guys, he actually shows holograms floating in the air. Yeah, he does shit. I mean, uh, like oh, that could be magic. To well, be you know, fair, we- they do give him the opportunity to show off a little bit instead yes. of trying to dump yes. him into a pit. Well, well he should have led with that with the bad guys. <laughs> and the thing about the, this Merlin kind of looks like evil, like he's got pointy eyebrows pointing up. He, his hair is insane. He is <laughs> incredibly chaotic neutral. This man is the embodiment of chaotic neutral. Yeah, give him a staff with a glowing red crystal and spikes on it, and he's your stock evil wizard. <laughs> he's definitely like... Because he... Like you said, he goes to the bad guys first. He doesn't, he clearly is, doesn't have a preference between valorous people and people who would just toss him into a pit. Uh, I do appreciate we get a big group scene of him addressing a whole bunch of knights and it is like a, a, at least gender diverse group. Yes. Uh, and yeah. that's one of those like little details that 
was probably in the script because again the the writers were fairly progressive especially for people who were writing like military cartoons yes <laughs> just how gi joe ends up about ninjas also gi joe is apparently gay culture now and that's fine <laughs> So they are, so they, well, they are agreeing to this. They are spied upon by Mort Dredd, who journeys back to, uh, to Castle Evil via hang glider <laughs> and reports on what's going on. Sure. Well, if they're doing it, then we must also do it. He crashes through a window in his hang glider. And then as Darkstorm is coming over, he's like, oh, sir, be careful. There's broken glass. As he's just laying in the broken glass. Oh, he's, yeah. he's like half a sentence away from saying, oh, the pain. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yes. So, yeah, they're all, yeah, well, well, we're going to do it, too. So, yeah, there's this giant assemblage of knights. Because I guess, you know, everybody has just kind of decided to be a knight now. Yes. Mm. I mean, it's fun. Everybody, everybody chose to uh, to play a paladin. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere out there, there's a blacksmith making a lot of money. Apparently, there was a cutscene where they talk about an armorer. Hmm. Yeah, that's the th- like. This episode feels like it should be two episodes or well, three. I think. I mean, it, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger, so I think this is one of those like multi-part pilots that they well, always did. Yeah, but like, considering how much is it, world building is going on here. I this think. Should be- Longer. Given the state of this episode, the the end of this episode, and the one after it, I feel like somewhere at least midway through the production process, someone came to them and was like, hey, we should make this serialized and have all the episodes lead into each other. Mm. Yeah, because the end of the episode feels like it's like a minute cut out of the, a random episode, or it's a short yeah, it's it's like they were going to have one of those, uh, you know, and and knowing is half the battle bits at the end of this. Yeah, a little. Yeah, it, that's what it starts out, but it's just like, oh no, it's a it's a to be continued JoJo theme plays. It doesn't seem like the second episode doesn't seem to be significantly tied into this episode, except that it definitely feels like the end of this episode could have just been the beginning of the next episode. Also, so it doesn't I think the feel like it was. Third ep- mm-hmm. I think the second and third episodes are where they sell the vehicles. Yes. Yeah. The second episode vehicles. has vehicles. Mortred came with a vehicle, as I learned, going to eBay no. after watching a couple episodes. Oh. Is it his hang glider? No, it's actually oh. like a little tank kind of thing. Oh. Because, again, very G.I. Joe-leaning. Very G.I. Joe-inspired as a, like, you know, toy engineering so yeah, they, uh, so he, he's always welcome to my Iron Mountain. You now have to run this obstacle course to reach my magical sanctuary. Yes. Welcome to Takeshi's Castle. Now both sides do have a handful of additional people. Uh, yes. Those, those three on yeah. each side are just sort of like the besties, the leader yes. and, and his besties. And his two dudes. Well, yeah, it's hard to tell if, like, everybody else is, like, unaffiliated, like, Merklin just showed up, like, a dozen different places, or if they're just, like, lesser guys mm. in the kingdoms, the two kingdoms. Because, like I said, he was, uh, Merklin was addressing, like, a crowd of, of aspiring knights, so presumably, yes. yeah, just various other people showed up. 
So, so there's like a, you know, a series of like crushing doors and, uh, this guy named Witterquick runs through them. Yeah, some of the names in this are, are a strange mouthful. <laughs> it, it definitely feels is... like D&D names. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely feel like D&D names. I feel like that's probably one of the worst ones. And that is, uh, that is of course Jim Cummings, a uh, veteran voice actor. This is the least Jim Cummings Jim Cummings I have heard in quite some time. He's toning down the Jim Cummings in us. Yes. It, <laughs> it, this is probably pretty close to just his speaking voice 35 however many years ago. Yes. Although he, and he's in, he's a couple of technobots, I think. Yes, he was two of the and technobots. And w- at least one of them is extremely Jim Cummings. Yes, and I the other one sounds... Burner. Yeah, Afterburner is, and then the other one sounds more like this. It's Lightspeed, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, yes, I think that's the other guy, who's a, who's a very subdued Jim Cummings. Made closer to a Winnie the Pooh, I guess. <laughs> Whereas I tend to think of, uh, like, Tigger and Darkwing Duck as your er Jim Cummings guys. Or, uh, or the Shocker from Spider-Man. Yes, being chased to the ends of the earth. So yeah, I I definitely I tend to think of all those guys I run into in Skyrim who just sound like <laughs> sound extremely like Jim Cummings. What voice is that? Uh, I don't. It's more of like a voice that he does for like side characters. Hmm. But yeah, this is not a voice that I tend to think of. But I wonder if he like aged out of being able to do it. Hmm. I guess th- it is appropriate. He did light speed, and this guy's magical power is light speed. Yes. You funny fast. Oh, and it, this is where background characters start peeling off. Background characters with faces and are not just guys in random helmets. Start getting knocked into Yeah, pits. so they, they see him run through this, and they're like, nope. Like, yes. th- there's a guy with a little tonsure haircut, I think it is, and a mustache. It's like, he seems like he should be a main character, but he just... Pieces this, out. Yes. Nope, this I don't want to thing do that. that he runs through is also like a thing that's in Skyrim too. So everything is very Skyrim in this dungeon. That you would have to like use mm. a special shout that would make you run fast through all the falling doors. And then when you're on mm-hmm. the other side, you hit a thing that makes it stop doing that. So your poor follower doesn't just get smacked to death all the way through. <laughs> oh. Poor Lydia. Poor followers. Yeah, it's always going to be Lydia. So it, it's around this point that we are we're, we're getting introduced to guys fast and furious. So there's a bunch of there are a bunch of guys who are trying to cross this scary bone bridge. Yes, mm. it's very cool. And I think it's this Cravex who uh, cuts this. I the, was it, I thought it was the the three main oh the three main guys. guys. Okay, I think because they got helmets on at this point, so it's hard to yeah, tell. I'm, I'm, Other than the, the main guy who's got like a snail shell on the side of his helmet. Right. Anyway, so they, the, they cut this bone the, bridge, but luckily... Uh, one of the hiccups with this show is that it's got an enormous cast, relatively. Uh-huh. And unlike, say, Transformers, the characters aren't super visually distinct except for their armor colors. Yes. So it's, yeah, and the, the problem with their colors is they're all random. Like... There's not like Autobot and Decepticon designations like these guys are all red-ish usually, or, or white, and these guys are purple and gray. It's like random colors all over the place. Mm. Like the main bad guy's green. What? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the 
bad guys do tend to be your greens and your purples and your browns and your yellows, whereas the good guys tend to be your blues and your purple. Well, I mean, a little bit of purple, but your blues. And one guy who's colored like Ultra Magnus Bright. It's 1987. Someone's going to be purple and teal. It's just (laughs) going to happen. I know. I like a little bit more... Color thematic, at least in the main three. I think Witterquick. I think Witterquick is like red He's and like white. A reddish. Yeah. So, it, but but still, they're they're throwing so many characters at us at once. It's it's confusing. Yeah. So anyway, this this guy who uh, who clings to the side and implausibly makes himself a glider out of like leaves. Uh, this is Arzon. Yes. That's a name, sure. Uh, he's voiced by Hal Rail, who was Shrapnel on Transformers. Yes. And who's in a zillion oh, things. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Wasn't he the the Emperor and like, like Return no, that was of the, the guy Jedi? played Kickback. Oh, okay. I got my Insecticons oh. mixed up. Oh, yeah. And and when they cut the bridge is when there's a commercial break. Clive guys, Revel. Like, four guys are falling to their death. <laughs> But the commercial break, they made oh, they landed on, on nice, convenient stalactites. No, they should have been a bail. What? They just landed on the side. Anyway, uh. and he's married to Maggie Roswell, who's a bunch of uh, secondary female characters on The Simpsons, like uh, nice. uh, like Helen Lovejoy and Maude Flanders. <laughs> anyway, so he implausibly survives here. And, uh, mm. yeah, so the uh, the good guys start to catch up on the bad guys, and, and uh, uh, Darkstorm literally says, Mordred, do something treacherous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know what he does? He does get help, you know, from, from Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Except yes, he, he does he, it by himself. Yes, he's, oh, oh, the pain, the pain <laughs> of it all. Yes. And, he, and they come he, help him, and then he scampers off, and he's all, ha ha. He pretends that he's injured. Yes, I've delayed you by by getting you over here, and then I have to run back to my master who's shouting at me. So you guys are literally right behind me. So it's never really that much of a delay. Yeah, that's... Uh, he runs I, very fast. Yeah. Like, it, felt, it felt like he should have jumped over a gap and then knocked out a bridge or something. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, they do end up uh, confronted by this enormous stone giant that, of course, comes to life. Yeah, it's a, how do they know it's a live stone giant and not just a statue? Um, it's a big statue. I mean, I, and then they're afraid of this big statue. Admittedly, one of the bad guys chucks a rock at its head to piss it off and wake it up. But I look, think why would you think it's a giant golem? I mean, okay, so earlier you were talking about the bone bridge and that got turned into snakes. So obviously, yes. whether you came in believing in magic, you need to believe in magic now. So if you see a giant stone man, it's probably safe to assume it's it's dangerous and will come to life just, if properly you'd, provoked. They, you'd better start believing in uh, magic stories. You're yes. in one. They yes. weren't the ones that encountered the snake bridge. It would have been nice if they'd seen, like, a small stone rat or something before seeing the giant stone man. To jump to the conclusion, that's a lie. Let's walk through quietly. We still have an extensive roll call to get to. We don't have time for that kind of foreshadowing. (laughs) That's right. I know. That's why this feels like it should be two episodes. I think, or an hour. And the guy who chucks the rock is one of the guys who's later important. Maybe Lexor. 
Maybe. Some, uh, one of the guys. Yeah, one of the bad guys. it's one of those guys. Maybe it's Cravex. These Again, guys are kind of... we're getting yeah, to the, a point where they're all hard to tell apart. Yes. So... Yeah, there's like two guys with memorable names. Well, anyway, they charge this giant stone guy, and he's afraid of them, because as Leoric says, well, I, I, he's so big, I guess he... Nobody ever decided to charge him before. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> They found a cowardly rock biter. What the hell? And of course, Darkstorm is mad about this because uh, Mordred totally blew it, and he's all, "You are useless." I know, Master. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. He's uh, Mordred is just so ridiculously groveling. I kind of love he's him. Amazing. Uh, anyway, it is it is now time for the designated lady fight. Yay! Time for some ladies! Yay, lady fun! Uh, so our good lady is Galadria, because we're not getting sued by the Tolkien estate, but only just. <laughs> uh-huh. We're going to flirt with it, but not quite cross that line. Uh, she's blonde, she is, uh, and she is voiced by Susan Blue. Yes! What a surprise! I mean, she could have been <laughs> one of the handful of other women doing voices. I know, I know. It's Sunbow. just that, like, when she started talking, it's like, oh, that's Susan Blue. Yes. It's like, she got like three words before it hit me who she it's was. Just, it's like, oh, yes, voicing a blonde lady who's heroic in a cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, Hasbro? Yeah, that's Susan Blue. It's her. And, of course, she is uh, battling the designated evil lady, who is the newscaster from the beginning. She has dark hair and has the amazing bad guy named Virulina. Yes. Which I'm shocked she didn't end up with, like, a snake power or something at the end, or a scorpion. She does also have, like, the way her hair is shaped. You really just have to, like, look up some pictures of it, because... Yeah, it's it's very weird, like, this is an anime haircut. She's got, like, a double widow's peak and points. The name sounds like she was going to get a snake, but her design definitely looks like she's going to get a shark. Yeah. Well, or it could be a snake, because, like, the, the fangs, something. And anyway, she's voiced by uh, Jennifer Darling, who's also in a ton of stuff. Yes. Uh, she was uh, the original Irma on Ninja Turtles. Uh, she's Pythona in J. Joe the Movie. And, and uh, if you've ever watched anime, including Tenchi Muyo, she's Aika. Okay. Oh. And then I think... Yes, the snooty princess one. <laughs> nice. And then I think she's also, like, the... Uh, She's on. She's somebody on Centurions as well. Ha. Huh. Well, I mean, she's like the daughter of somebody on that. There was probably Apparently just the, one hey. female character in mm. that too. So, well, I think that, again, oh, there is a good lady and there's a bad lady. Aha. Uh-huh. And apparently, she is the daughter of Doc Terror. Oh, presumably from back when he still had genitalia. <laughs> That does yeah. sound... That sounds familiar. Anyway... Oh, she's one of the mighty Orbots. Oh. Anyway, they have, they have a lady fight. Uh, they end up plunging into some water where there's a giant octopus. I was... Remi- Yay, lady fight and naughty tentacles. Boo. I was reminded a little bit of Ultros from Final Fantasy VI, who is a giant octopus, but uh, sadly this one does not stick around to mock them while engaging in turn-based combat. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the octopus doesn't do a lot. We don't even see its, like, face. Luckily, uh, it uh, turns out this body of water they fall into has a has a, a bathtub drain. So she just pulls that, <laughs> and the uh, the water and the octopus get sucked into who knows where. I mean, that's, 
if it's not a naturally occurring little pool with an octopus in it, then it's reasonable for it to have a, a drain. Mm. Well, this this whole castle is magic, so anything could happen. So now both the female characters are soaking wet, and they are very nice and do not draw attention to this, oh, nor did they draw attention to the I octopus. Think, I think we already went past my favorite part of the episode, where... What's the main bad guy's name? Uh, Darkstorm. Darkstorm is walking down a hallway. His two main goons are off, lost somewhere. And he wanders into a room full of skeletons. Oh, yes. he calls an art gallery. And then he's walking through with a torch. And one of the skeletons puffs its cheeks and blows the torch out. Yes. <laughs> that was... That was such a loop in the third gag, and it made sense that when I looked it up, TMS did a lot of loop mm. in the third. <laughs> like, I wonder if that was in the original script, or that was just the animators fucking around. Yes. And now I have a cat helping. Hi, Felix. Cats. And then there's also a scene where the two big guys fight. Uh, that's uh, Cryotech. Voiced by uh, Bernard Erhard. Oh, hey, one name I can remember for other reasons. Yes. I realized that Cryotech uh, in trans- being used in Transformers was less distant temporally from Visionaries than he is from, from now. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm old. I, don't, I, was, I was just disappointed when Cryotech showed up and he was a good guy and he didn't sound like Sidney Greenstreet. Uh, what he does sound like is Psykill. Oh. As that kind of uh, Matt, background, I guess we can, it, is he, he is Psykill? Yes, he is. Okay. I was going to say, as that sort of uh, background uh, 3H stuff, because Cryotech, uh, one of the things we were sort of when I was working with uh, early in the early two thousands botcon, uh, it was suggested that we pull in names from earlier Hasbro stuff or from other mm. Hasbro stuff for exclusives. Mm. Uh, at at one point, we were talking about using Nightwise. Uh, at one point, we wanted to use Steamhammer, uh, which was actually like a Marvel UK text story offhand reference, but then actually got, ended up used in the main line. Oh, that's right. Uh, as a, a construction guy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Cryotech being reused in Transformers definitely is from that era of Hasbro like looking back and seeing what trademarks they could hurry up and snag before they lost them from like other previous things. They, mm-hmm. they started becoming aware of trademark mortality. <sighs> Yeah, it, it's neat. It, it, it's such a good, weird name for... It's a perfect name for a Transformer that it's here is bizarre. Anyway, and he fights Sindar, who is the big Peter Cullen guy. Yes. Oh, no! Psykill versus Peter Cullen. In an ice cave. Psykill yes. versus and, Optimus Prime. And the guy with the fire name is the one that uses the ice cave to his advantage. <laughs> So and then there, we see another dark, uh, another bad guy who like chops down a beehive that is randomly hanging in here, and then steals the stuff that other sure. guys leave behind. This might this one might be Lexor. I keep forgetting which one's Lexor and which one's Cravex. <laughs> it, 
Wait. Well, his attitude—he should be Cravex because he's a craven coward. Yeah, I think that. I think that's the one that works, cause, right? Because he's like a flying scavenger, and he's Kravex also Chris Lotta. Is the one who, yeah, is is the Starscream voice. Hmm. So uh, you know, basically, we're down to now. Uh, so the the three main bad guys find four other villainous characters hung up by their ankles. And he's like, well, you know. Well, no, it, it's just the leader by himself. Oh, right, right. Finding it's the other, the and the other guys are there too. They have fallen victim to question mark. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, you know, it would be a real hassle to, to cut you guys down. I guess you just have to, you know, swear loyalty to me. I said, well, and, and they do. It, it, it's another good scene of them asking, it's like, uh, do you have good food? Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Well, you gonna pay well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Recon is the one who asks if he's got good food in the castle. Yes. Like, and and okay. Very Lena is generally not thrilled about all this. No, she just fuck you, put me down. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, that'll she do. She's kind of the black arachnia of the series. Mm-hmm. And, he's all, and eventually one of them dubs them the his Darkling Lords. Yes, one of the good guys calls them that, and they're like, "We like the hey, I like the sound of That's that." A cool name. I'm keeping that, that is a super D and D sounding name. It is. No. It really is. Absolutely. Also, I, is. I, I would guess like uh, Grand Rapids' second best fantasy based metal band of uh, the nineteen nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely singing about fighting orcs on dragons. So, so that's that's either a band name or a group of nobles you have to cheat. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, so we're so the the seven good guys have now hooked up. They're coming in. Uh, they're fighting these seven bad guys, and then in comes Merklin. He's all, oh, well, you fourteen are now the champions. You shall get toys, not so fast, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to wait for series two, which will definitely get made. Wink, wink. Uh, I was sad. I was really... Because, I mean, again, the toys are basically just an iteration of G.I. Joe. So it's... Like, this could have been a G.I. Joe subline in the same sense that Ninja Force or that space one where they all had spacesuits. And for some reason, I bought that Destro in a spacesuit. Star Brigade. Yes, like Star Brigade. Like, they could have absolutely just put, like, a head with a beard and a sailor hat on one of these. This is shipwreck. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh. it's not like they didn't do female toys in G.I. Joe. I don't know why they couldn't do them here. Yeah, just take a Baroness, paint it a different color, give it a new torso. Give her some armor, and there you go. Nope. So, uh, so, so it is now time to sell some toys. Oh, uh, yeah. It's toy because, selling listen, time. You are now the visionaries. You all get an animal totem, which reflects your true nature. And again, I will point out that he does oh, not seem to have any particular moral preference here. Now, he is, uh, he is true neutral, as you would say. Yes. Maybe chaotic uh, neutral. I think he's kind of just trolling them. I kind of feel like giving both sides all these like crazy magic powers that they don't really know anything about and can't control super well is definitely chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, why the hell do I have a note that says hamster mage? What? <laughs> That's a good question. For your next D&D game? <laughs> 
I don't know. I think that's somewhere in here. So Arzon. Oh, Hamster hamster Maze. Never oh, mind. okay. There was a maze segment, and it just reminded me of... There's a YouTube series of a guy who creates elaborate mazes for his hamster. Ah. Yeah, Arzon. I thought maybe you were, you were you were thinking that you needed to have a uh, a character based on this, except his totem was a hamster. hamster. I, I mean, that's a better idea because my handwriting is bad enough. That, wow, that does look like mage, not maze. Hamster mage. So anyway, they can they they can use these to now transform into animal forms. So yeah, Arzon, you get the totem of the eagle because you're the guy who like flew. Yes, Sindar, you're a big strong guy. You get the gorilla. Yeah, this, this like roll calls and powers and shit. It happens in all kinds of eighties and nineties things. This is very much like Marvel Comics G one in a page. No, this would be like but a big panel. I've never seen it this bad and, and obvious in a cartoon before. I mean, like, it's done as well as can be because there's bickering back and forth and it's jokes, but it's it's almost entirely Merlin narrating, here's your name, here's your powers, here's what animal you're like, say something funny. It is kind it's, of, and I, I think, yeah, I've, I've uh, heard someone describe, when I brought this up, someone described it as having that, that standard 80s Hasbro cartoon, like, snappy dialogue-ness yeah, to the it. The dialogue is as snappy as it can be, but then it's going through 14 characters. That does yes. make it where it's not, like, unpleasant to watch. Like, no. it's a fun yeah. little segment, even though you realize that this is absolutely just a run I don't know what my cats are knocking over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. more so... Because it's doing the good guys and the bad guys at the same time. Mm. And usually there's a switch from base A to base B between. Nope. It's just going. Also, there's a very important bit of world building here that's established that I have significant questions about. Which is, for Kravix, he specifically says that he is this world's only flying scavenger, the Phylox. Which yeah, is some everybody sort of else gets a pteranodon real, thing. Well, almost everybody gets a real animal. So we've got yeah, there's like three guys that don't get a normal. Earth so we get Winter Quick. He's just, a, he's fast, so he's a cheetah. And then Kravox is a fi- which is kind of like a weird pterodactyl thing. This phylot. Yeah, uh, it listen, doesn't seem to have. Feet. It's a very D and D monster. Listen, you have to have it. It's either all real animals or all fake animals, or like yes. only. The special guys get, or the bad guys get the ba- right, or, or like the leaders get something special, right. like the good guy gets like a griffin or something, right. or the evil guys get all the weird. You can't also, just have I, one random guy who's a weird made up thing. I felt like the level of specificity here varied greatly, yeah. because you go from cheetah to lizard, like that's yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a specific kind of lizard. You just, don't have a guy lizard. who just turns into a cat, like generic cat. You have a cheetah, but but recon is lizard, not yeah. like a cheetah is the a Gila monster. Fastest animal. There are no birds that fly faster. A cheetah is the fastest. Yeah, or, you got Ekdar. He's a, a fox. Yes. Uh, Mordred, you are the scampering beetle because you totally suck. 
<laughs> Which is specifying a specific kind of beetle, but it's not... I don't think it's a real beetle. I mean, I think he's just saying, oh, the scampering beetle, like, uh, you know, yes. the swift cheetah or whatever. Yes. Like, that is a quality And then, and then he beetles. actually turns into a beetle and, like, bows and scrapes at yes. Darkstorm's feet. Which is fine. And he's also very offended at being the beetle. Yes. Well, yeah. And then after this, uh, Merklin is all, yeah, so uh, are you guys finished or what? Uh, Come on, we're on the clock here. Credits are coming up. Let's let's go. Let's go. So we got the feral, as they might imply. You are the wolf. Uh, Virulina and Galadriel, you are the girls. So you have to be the Aquaman. Yes. Uh, yes. The, the ones who don't get to appear in many episodes. Good guy is dolphin. Bad guy is shark. And because you you are a girl with a hologram of a, of a dolphin on her, you are the most Lisa Frank of all the. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Of all the spectral knights. Yes, she is. And we get Lexor. You are the armadillo, which is a weird, messed up looking armadillo thing. It is kind of weird. It's It's not like a normal earth armadillo. I think it's supposed to be like a normal armadillo, but it's a very much D&D monster armadillo that looks weird in animation. It's kind of neat, but it's like, sure. got Recon. You're the lizard. Uh, Leo- Cryotech, you are the bear. Leoric, because of your name, you are the lion. Also, you're very brave. I got lazy at this point. I'm going through a dozen <laughs> of these things. And also, Darkstorm, you are the mollusk, question mark? Yeah, Darkstorm's oh, yes. is like a most... weird snail man? It's a snail man. It's a snail... Have you ever seen medieval illuminations? Oh, with knights fighting snails. I mean, and okay. Also, aren't there weird snail men on Inhumanoids too? There, sh- there sure are. Oh, they were gonna make toys those of those guys. snails they were riding. That's in my. What? That's in my Why? book. Was somebody super into snails in the eighties? Was it a French thing? I don't. I well, don't. For this, at least, it makes sense because of the illuminations, where you'd have like, oh, knights are fighting giant, weird-looking snails and getting their asses kicked, which was either the monks just making fun of knights by having them fight snails, or it was an insult to like the Lombards, who were like nobles that were like. I think they were kicked out of, like, something, and then they ended up being money lenders, and, like, everybody shit on them. Yay, racism in the medieval Europe. Yay. And they were represented by snails sometimes. Or it's just, it became mimetic that some guy started drawing snails in his copy of the Bible, and is like, oh, I'm gonna copy that. I have snails doing crazy shit in mine. Other than just rabbits with swords stabbing people in the head. I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. I just think that they had a mollusk design and they were like well, well we haven't we have I one guy that. left it's easy. And it's, like why isn't the main bad guy like a dragon or something like yeah, having a lion versus a or, dragon yeah i know having him be a snail is a weird gag he should be like a dragon or a chimera something ominous a lion versus a dragon a is like that's your thing but yeah that's like medieval heraldry lion versus Snail monster. It's not. It's so weird. That's that was a really mm. weird one. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, it feels like his symbol should be like the number two guy. Yes. <laughs> like I'm the conniving snail. 
But no, he's the leader. Which, okay. Now, now, step forward, those of you with accessories. Yes. You got it. Did you bring a stick? Stick it in the pool. What if we don't have a stick? Fuck you. You'll get something later. Okay, so. We didn't make that toy yet. Listen, tough shit. Maybe you'll come with a vehicle. Yes. As if I not, have, too bad. As I have discovered by the second episode, <laughs> the ones who do not have staves are the ones who can operate the vehicles. And only they can the- power up the vehicles. Anyone can drive the vehicle, but they need to power up the vehicle. So they get their own special thing, but those are the characters who came with vehicles, whereas the ones who come with the staff are the ones who are single-carded. So so do the girls not get either of those things, then? Uh, they don't get toys, so no! <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe they were holding off to see if they could at least get them packed in with a vehicle. That's good. Listen, I'm sorry, but I'm guided by the ancient love bros before hoes. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Have fun fighting whenever you're around like a pond or a lake or something. So it's. Oh, what's this? The the Darkling Lords are doing some evil in the desert? You're out of luck, lady. So it does say in the. uh, on the wiki that uh, they are capable of driving the vehicles. Okay, then. Because they well, I guess that's sex. one bit of eighty sexism that is not in there. Women drivers, what do I tell you? You get also, the submarine, we never use it. <laughs> also, Galadria is absolutely shipped with cryotech. Spoilers. Uh, in, in, into the bear look, I guess. Yes. I mean, better that than the main character. This is true. And, and also, the Merklin says, sometimes I will have tasks for you. One of those. I don't know yet. This is definitely come up in a later episode. <laughs> I'll think he, about he is, it. He is an, um, not quite a, a, a killer DM, but he's a very argumentative DM. Yes. Yes. He's like, don't question my rules, just play. Oh, and also those staffs of yours, those are going to run out of juice like toot sweet. You're going to have to come back here and recharge them. He's definitely yeah. a because I said so DM. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I well, I guess that's it. We've uh, we, let's see. Oh, I got all fourteen of you down. Oop, well, now down you go into this weird vortex. <laughs> he, Goodbye. He turns the floor into water and flushes them down a drain, and he's just cackling evilly oh, yeah. the whole hey. time. Oh, and he ma- he makes fun of this. Hey, snail guy, you're gonna appreciate this gag. What? <laughs> Glug. <laughs> Should have just been a, a toilet flush noise. It should have been. Yeah. They call me the Al Bundy of Prismos. <laughs> no, no Al Bundy. No. So, uh, so yeah, they're all just sort of. So yeah, that uh, that just happened, huh? Super weird. And the Darkstorm is all, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we must only use this magic for peace. We should not make war. We should have a a peace treaty now. And the good guys are all okay, I guess. The good guys are if like, so. well, we're good guys, so if you offer us yeah. peace, we've got to take it. And then the good guys leave, and, and, and he's like, ha, 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 I'm going to be evil because good is dumb. Yeah. One <laughs> Sucker. One of his buddies is like, so are we actually doing that? And he's like, no, it is so much easier to be evil. Yeah. So he genuinely just straight up like proposes a peace treaty just so he can ignore it. So that's that's pretty great. That's where we're at with him. That's what kind of guy he is. A mollusk. Oh. That's what kind of man he is. Yes. 
So, uh, so we now cut to uh, what appears to be the first minute of the next episode. Yes. Uh, because uh, we got our we got our man Arzon, and there's a a random pretty girl who is just straight up a medieval princess. Yeah, she she's very much like yeah, with the like, cone hat yeah. and everything. Like it, it's a very specific period of medieval art that cartoons in the eighties love to reference that one. Oh, sure. I think it was like like the fourteen fifties or something. It's a very specific era. At. I was actually thinking I need to check the the TF wiki because uh, there's an episode in season three with uh, it was in not Madman's Paradise Nightmare Planet. Oh, that's right. Yes, and there that's where like Daniel's having weird nightmares, and I think there is a princess in that. Yes, and Springer like teams up with her, and it's very much. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's exactly the same design. I don't, they don't seem to have any pictures of her on the wiki, but it's definitely looks a lot like the, the yes. random princess from Daniel's dream in that episode. Mm-hmm. Before Galvatron shows up and declares that Galvatron can be any size he wishes, which I love because that's absolutely <laughs> a thing Galvatron would say. <laughs> it- Okay, apparently the cone hat is called a Hennin. Oh, okay. okay. I thought it was a Wimple. Or in Dutch, a Hennik, which it, I think it means cock. <laughs> like As the chicken? chicken. Yes, the chicken. And, and, yes, it started in about 1420 or 1430. So very limited, very specific, and fuck my last name might come from this. <laughs> Did my ancestors make pointy hats? You're a chicken. Anyway, apparently she she also this princess also does have the pointy hat. Yes. Hmm. Definitely has the pointy hat. It's very important. Although weirdly she she also looks uh kinda like uh Carly. Carly. I mean that's probably yeah. intentional. You would think. Because Hopefully. you know, we had a character model laying around that Well I was thinking because it's in Daniel's dream and that's his mom, uh, uh, so uh, I, I shall save you, Princess Mom. Yes. Anyway, so uh Arzon's trying to save this uh, this lady from this ditch and then impress her because he totally has magic powers. <laughs> He's like, Hey, you know, I have some magic powers and she's like, No, you and don't, so- those aren't real. And then he gets to recite one of those Bob Bodiansky poems. A whim, a thought, and more is sought. Awake my mind, thy will be wrought. Yay. And it brings forward this, like, weird brain guy from the, uh... <laughs> he wanted to show her his brain. Oh, great. I, I, yes. great. I think I awakened the Wishmaster. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell whether his... Whether it's... I mean, one assumes it's a brain from context, but it really just kind of looks like a big afro. Yeah, in the animation, yeah, it, it it it's very much just like glowing Afro power. Because there's no color distinction, and I am fine with the avatar of wisdom here just looking, or the avatar of knowledge just being a a guy with a big Afro. That's good. <laughs> that's acceptable. And he's oh yeah, so so yes, uh, tell me everything about this lady. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, she's actually the the lady bad guy in a wig, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. It's very helpful. Yeah, like it starts out like, like it's like oh, helping a lady in trouble is like like it's gonna be like a, the more you know, GI Joe shit. But it's like <laughs> no, it's a villain. It's like what? Why? And then, he, what? And then he's all oh shit. End of episode. <laughs> she pulls off her mask like Baroness style and mask <laughs> and entire dress, and underneath <laughs> is her armor with the giant chest plate and shoulder pad thing. Not sure. Yes, I, I I got this from the lo- local gentleman's club. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was just thinking of that uh, that uh, Megatron's master plan when the Decepticons dress up as the Autobots and like Starscream, oh, right. I think, takes off the helmet and then suddenly his like shoulder things appear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, dun 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 to be continued. I mean, I kind of want to watch more of this because it's super weird and goofy. So the yeah, it, the uh, next episode basically just dives right into the idea of their staffs having somewhat limited power, uh, and then, like I said, Mordred finds a vehicle, and he's very excited. So, spoilers. I mean, that's not really spoilers. That's not exactly plot twists. But, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, you know. I'm definitely, you know, it's 13 episodes and they look pretty good. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching it. Uh, I can't say if then I will become obnoxiously obsessed with it and have to import the DVD set from the UK and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I do have... Upload them in DVD quality to YouTube. I mean, the ones on YouTube are not the best quality, but then I checked and at least my Inhumanoids episodes were streaming at like 480p. But then again, that could have just been because I was on office internet, which is, you know, being split with an entire office and... May not be super fast. Now I gotta check, but yeah, I gotta, I'd have to, uh, I'd, I'd have to get that uploaded as like the best possible available quality. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I, I hit play and then started playing. Uh, yeah, it says it's got the, the quality topped out at 480p on my Inhumanoids episode, so I'm gonna have to see if I can't mm-hmm. at least get that up to, that may uh, be the yeah, best that they are on the DVD though, so. Mm. But the DVD I wow. had was a bootleg. So. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there were, what, 13 episodes? This isn't something that they probably kept around in good film print quality, although maybe Hasbro didn't. Yeah. Could be. Maybe that's what we could do after, uh, meanwhile at the core. We could do this after we do an oh, inhumanoid series. Meanwhile, in the core. Uh, oh, do we have to? We, we, we still have more Dynazenon episodes to do, and there's going to be a third Gridman series oh. at some point. But this can this can go on the list because it does seem like yes. a like a pretty enjoyable yeah. show. If we ever hmm. get tired of doing Transformers, and who knows? You know, Hasbro might. I mean, they they did briefly revive this in IDW. It didn't go very yeah. far because. But I think they still intend to make it part of that greater Hasbro verse. Yeah, they didn't yeah, run I, I into did, the universe is an They didn't bad they idea post apocalypse fantasy shit. They but, didn't mm. run into the same legal issues with it that they ran into with Inhumanoids, so uh, it mm. might be a little easier. Like I said, they they had them both blocked, just solid blocked on YouTube, and then they didn't earlier this year. And that's a decision someone made. And I'm really curious what the reasoning behind that decision was. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe they just realized that they wanted more stuff like that uploaded. Or maybe they're seeing what interest there is in reviving that stuff. Uh, maybe they went through the trouble of getting the legal rights sorted out because they want to go back and do something. So I'm I'm curious to see if I have manifested an Inhumanoids revival. 
Or maybe it's such a clusterfuck for some reason that Hasbro can't really claim it anymore. Although they could put their commercials on it, so that means they should have claimed it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's- anyway, this this episode was odd. The pacing was bad, but yeah, I could watch more. Yeah. Oh, hi, Reef. Hello, foster cat. <laughs> Hello, kitten. Foster kitten. Guest star time. Oh, he was taking a nap and he has woken up. Okay. All right, so okay. that uh, that does it for us this week. We will be back next week with uh, more Dinazenon. Yes. Yes. And uh, Which I keep forgetting to draw art for episodes. Uh-huh. Shit. So until then, though, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, uh, we are on. Pa- we are hosted on <laughs> getting distracted by this cat. Uh, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com/slash iaconunderground. Uh, we have special episodes every month where we talk about fun stuff. Uh, for November, uh, we did Black Widow. Uh, did we decide on something for November yet? Or are we thinking about Shang-Chi? I, th- I think we were thinking Shang-Chi, but we, we're leaving our options we, open. We, we did November. December. That's why. Oh, I right, mean. December. Yes. yes. For November, we did Black Widow. For December, uh, maybe Shang-Chi. Maybe something else will pop up mm. that we're like, oh my god. Like, we literally decided to do Visionaries two nights before we did Visionaries. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I personally had been bored at work and was like, that's right, they let people upload Visionaries now too. And I was like, this is great, we should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe something will just pop up out of nowhere, or maybe it'll be Shang-Chi, which absolutely deserves an episode. Uh, but yes. uh, again, that is for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you can get access to that and all of our previous Patreon specials. Uh, there's some real fun stuff in the back catalog there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Icon Underground. All right. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Oh, oh we should okay. talk about what we would all turn into. Oh, now you think. Cats. <laughs>